Bonjour everyone and welcome to your new favorite French football podcast, Casser les Lignes. In Casser les Lignes, we discuss everything French football. Uh, you know, we focus on the games being played during the week, of course, Ligue 1, Champions League or international football. Uh, but, but the title, um, you know, for all of our friends who don't speak the language of Zinedine Zidane, uh, Casser les Lignes literally means breaking the lines. Uh, and under the, the breaking the lines umbrella, uh, as I was saying last week that I joined recently, Uh, we're going to endeavor to to break those lines, to do more than, you know, just talking about uh, Messi or Neymar. Uh, but we're also going to analyze the, the entirety of French football from Saint-Etienne, who's, you know, right now at the bottom of the table, uh, to why we know us Frenchies uh, that we're basically months away from winning our third World Cup. But, but that's the story for later. Uh, today, we're going to focus on match day 11. Uh, and what a weekend it's been. Uh, 29 goals, six red cards in 10 games. Uh, of course, Le Classic, Marseille-Paris Saint-Germain was played. Uh, but also Nice-Lyon was a, a fantastic game. Monaco-Montpellier, Nantes-Clermont. Uh, there was a lot of action. Uh, we're going to you know, start by diving a little bit a bit longer into the classic between Marseille and Paris Saint-Germain, uh, a game that was, I guess, very, very tactical. And, and to analyze that game, uh, I'll be joined by a friend of mine whose name is is Jeremy. Um, and and we'll we'll basically talk about it. He's a he's a Paris Saint-Germain fan from before the Qatar era, um, so we can trust him. You know, no 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 offense to every other uh, PSG fan. Uh, anyway, my name is Jeremy Magan. I'm the host of uh, Casseligne, and I look forward to this. New adventure. Thank you for listening. Uh, subscribe. You know, read the articles on breaking the lines. Just, just get into that uh, football knowledge that we all love to have. Uh, we're going to start the podcast right now. But first, music. Okay, we're going to start to talk about Marseille Paris Saint Germain. That's a recording that I've done with uh, Jeremy independently from from recording the rest of the um, pod. Uh, full disclosure: Jeremy is actually a, a friend of mine um, from from our side of uh, just doing podcast and, and loving football. So hence the uh, the friendliness in in the chat. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Right now, Marseille Paris Saint Germain, Jeremy and Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you for coming on Casser les Lignes, the new French football podcast from Breaking the Lines. Very happy to, to have you here, Jeremy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. After a boring game, I'm still good, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> as, as I said just before, Jeremy um, is a friend we've met a few years ago and uh, he's the one person in, in the whole of France that I know is a, is a real PSG fan because he knew Paris before the Qatari era. How long have yeah. you been a PSG fan, Jeremy? <laughs> Way too long, bro. Way too long. Uh, no, but I, I, I'd say uh, since I'm 10 years old, so a while ago, like 98, 99, uh, I remember the first, the, the last games of uh, of Rye, you know, the, the, the Brazilian. Yes. Number, number 10. Um, and then I realized I was a real fan of PSG in 2001, for sure. Uh, we played against La Coronia. You know the the Spanish club that disappeared, <laughs> and uh, and we were losing like in in champ. You know we were winning in champions like three nil uh, over there in Spain, and we lost four uh, three. And man, I, I cried after that game, and that that's when I realized I was a a real fan of of the wrong team at that time. <laughs> <laughs> 
and 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 luckily it changed it changed since. Uh, what what was your first game at Le Parc des Princes? Uh, it's hard to remember, man. But I guess it was against uh, Sedan. You know the Sanglier. I don't know how you say that in English. <laughs> the white boar, Pumba. Oh yeah, yeah, Pumba. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was against Sedan, and I, if I remember it right, uh, we we did like one one one, and it was Letizy in the, as a goalkeeper, and he took like a, a silly goal at the end. And the, the the atmosphere was really tense at the end of the game. We had to run back to the metro. It was an amazing night. <laughs> oh my goodness! Who was, who was the the star striker for the Pius and Jeffy? Was Pius oh, and Jeffy playing? Yeah, yeah, he was playing. Yeah. He was at that time. <laughs> yeah, beautiful player from from Cameroon, I guess. No. <laughs> I can't remember to be honest, but uh, yeah, I think it was I think it was Cameroonese back in the days when when Sedan ma made it big. Uh, so you, you know, I'm I'm glad that you're on the pod. I mean, obviously we know each other, and and I know that you know about football because you're an okay football player from from what I remember playing in parking lots against you. Um, but let, let let's talk about what happened this week. So you know, you know, I'm a Marseille fan, and we've we've talked about those games uh, every now and then. I think the first game that I remember you and me ever talking about deep in was maybe the 2-2 when, when Gignac scored twice and Ibrahimovic scored twice so it's, uh, it's a while back but already you had too much money in, in, in your squad <laughs> yes, yesterday uh, like, like you said the game wasn't great uh, I mean I guess uh, it, maybe it was hyper tactical but 0-0 uh, a red card for, uh, for Ashraf Hakimi at the 57th minute um, 52% possession for Paris Saint-Germain, 15 shots for Marseille, only one on target, explains the score maybe, uh, and Paris, 10 shots, uh, four on target. It's the first 0-0 at the Velodrome since 1998, uh, and this season in, in Ligue 1, it's only the fourth 0-0 that we've had in uh, what's 110 games, so it's pretty good. Uh, it means that Paris remains undefeated in Marseille, Uh, for the last nine games, and it's also their third straight clean sheets uh, at the Velodrome. Uh, the only few things that happened during the game, really, the, the VAR um, denied the goal both ways. Uh, Mbappé and uh, Lirola were offside. Uh, and then, I guess, uh, Paolo Lopez did a few saves, made a few saves against uh, Neymar, against Mbappé, mm -hmm. against Messi, uh, we, which, which kept Marseille Uh, in the game, uh, Payet's free kicks were maybe the most dangerous thing for Marseille, but they weren't great. Uh, maybe the header from Rangier, who, who just was glanced just wide, uh, and La Fuente at the end, who instead of going for the goal, just, just fell on the ball, was the maybe where Marseille was the most dangerous. Uh, it, it was obviously a, a KG affair, pretty defensive game. Both teams maybe respecting each other too much. Um, what did you think uh, about the game? Oh, I mean, even though, like, Uh, as a PSG fan, it's always a, a big event, so I was I was super excited and I had like I enjoyed the game, but man, it was it was a disappointing night. Like uh, zero zero, uh, Hakimi's like we didn't learn anything like from that game. Like Hakimi is still the worst defender <laughs> we have. Uh, I don't know, Verratti is not in shape, uh, and and like. Uh, Without the magic of Mbappe that we have since the beginning of the season, I feel like nothing much can happen. Like Messi, Neymar, uh, we expect a lot more from these players. 
And even though they, they showed us that they can defend, uh, I mean, when Mbappe doesn't score or doesn't, like, he's not in a very special night, it's kind of boring. We're kind of, you know, kind of bored in Paris. It's, it's what we're seeing since the beginning of the season, right? It's, uh, it's Mbappe or Messi bringing the magic, Idrissa Gay scoring screamers from 30 meters. Uh, otherwise, it's hard to, uh, to see something, to see something pretty. Uh, I was, I was saying in the, in the pod before the game that, um, for Paris, maybe Ligue 1 in general and even Marseille Paris is a bit of an afterthought. They only think about playing in, in Champions League. Is that, is that how you feel as well as a, as a Paris fan? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, when you play against um, uh, Marseille, you should feel like a, like champion. So that's what we expected. Of course, against Dijon or Clermont, uh, I mean, I would understand if the players are not that motivated and they think about City or Leipzig. But against Marseille, you have to put on the show, and and they, that didn't happen. And that's how we feel. Not just this year; it's been like five, six, seven years we feel like this, and you know, it's annoying. It's really annoying, and you lose your, like, you. I don't know. It feels weird when you're a PSG fan. You lo- you love your team, but it's hard to uh, love a team who doesn't play as well as they should. Yet, yet you know they win the champion uh, league, the Liga every year almost, uh, unless little, little yeah. mistake like this. Uh, or, you know, obviously we like we've said the the game was, um, you know, not not great. I mean, I think for Marseille. Um, Saliba was probably the best player. I mean, that tackle at the end was a very good tackle. Genduzi did okay. Um, you know, Kaita Char and Luan Perez were not terrible without being great. Kamara was right as well. For Paris, which player did you think had a good game? Um, Nava, for sure. Uh-huh. Didn't, didn't take a goal, even though like Payet wasn't <laughs> that accurate <laughs> on the free kick. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Navas did a good game. Um, I'd say I like the game of uh, Marquinhos. Like um, he, he did a, a serious game, and it, we we always feel safe when he's next to Kimpembe. And Kimpembe was okay as well. Like uh, really, really strong and powerful player. Um, Danilo Danilo had a really interesting game. Uh, I, we're not always a fan of this player, but yesterday he was good. And uh, and th- that's about it, man. I ex- we expect a lot more from expensive players like like Neymar, Messi, Mbappe. Uh, Verratti was such a disappointment for me. Like we expect a lot more from him, especially when you play just the just the half. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's about it. I'd say Navas, Marquinhos, and and Danilo. Yeah, actually, Danilo, I was I was pleasantly surprised as well. I think he uh, I think he played a big role in making sure that. Payet, Genduzi, Rongier, Kamara, when getting too close. Uh, well, that, that, that's for the game, really. But if we backtrack a little bit, um, how do you think the season is going for, for Paris? I mean, 11 game, one draw now and, and one loss uh, in Ligue 1, um, one draw and two wins in Champions League. Uh, you know, of course, the, the stellar of season, as he would sold. Um, what do you make of, of the season so far? Um, I'd say... If I look at the, the you know the big the big picture, uh, it looks like every other season. Like we dominating Liga, uh, we don't win like with the, with beautiful football or beautiful games. 
but we still win. And we focus on the champions. So if you look at the game against City, especially in Manchester City, we did an amazing game, the best game of the season, uh, but because it was Champions League. Uh, and against Leipzig, it was a weird game. We had a lot of luck, a lot. <laughs> and that's what we won. But uh, in, in Liga, as you said it before, if, if in, uh, in the early season, Gay and Herrera are your best players and they score, I mean, something is going wrong. Like, the, like Icardi is, is not a good player. Uh, <laughs> Draxler is struggling. Di Maria as well. Uh, and when Mbappe and Messi and Neymar like doesn't show up, don't show up, it's difficult for us to um, to be successful. But still, we're dominating because it's PSG and and we have a lot of money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and I give you good players. As I said, yeah. I said a few times in in the pod that Paris Saint Germain doesn't need to be ready now. Paris Saint Germain wants to be ready in February, March, April. Uh, and and this season, at least, even though you're not playing well, you're winning all your games, uh, which gives you this much, you know, cushion on comfort when you arrive into the the final stages of Champions League and when you can afford to lose league and games or to put your B or your C team so you can focus on quarterfinal, semifinal. Uh, is is that what you think as well for, for PSG? Are they just managing their season with giving very little at the beginning? And just being ready for the end when probably Sergio Ramos is going to come back and Messi will be 100% and Mbappé will be 100%, etc. Is, is that what you think? Um, as a as a PSG fan, you know I don't I don't care about February or March. I want to win <laughs> against Marseille and I want to win three 0 in Marseille, three uh, zero. But you know if if you look at it, yeah, of course we are a February or a March team. We want to be ready at that time when. We want to to have Neymar not injured, <laughs> not in Brazil. Uh, we want to have everybody on board, so so we can we can have our first Champions League, uh, and and that's uh, that's how it's going. You know, we, we don't we don't really really like the Pochettino touch if if there is one <laughs> uh, in Paris, but still, he, you know, he wins games, wins games, uh, and and yeah, we we're on top of the league. And and everybody is uh, is healthy for the moment. Verratti doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, doesn't count. Is it is it Pochettino's fault though? Like I mean, when Emery was there, he didn't do better. When Tourelle was there, he didn't do better. And then he leaves Paris. He wins the Champions League. He wins what seven zero against Norwich this weekend. He says that it's easier to coach Lukaku than to be a, a sports <laughs> minister in Paris with all the families. Is it Pochettino's fault or is the culture at the club? The issue? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. For sure, the, the culture in Paris with this money, with Leonardo, with Nasser, it's very toxic for for any manager. Like you see all the managers when they leave Paris, like Tuchel, uh, Ancelotti, Emery, they're very successful as well, but in Paris, <laughs> they, they, they're not. So obviously, we have a problem here in town. But um, still... We saw some some games and some uh, some some plays, some some stuff that Tuchel uh, took to Paris that that we don't see here. Like here is only uh, now with Pochettino, it's only transitions, like, only transitions. We, it's like we're going fast forward. We we score like really fast, but when we have the ball, uh, I mean, nothing really 
happened. Like when Tuhil with. was here. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. For the, like yesterday was the perfect example. Like Mate was waiting for us, and we couldn't create like much more chances. Yeah, we don't see the like the preferred. Um, the preferred path and, and all those things that, you know, um, coaches like Bielsa and, and Guardiola and, and even Sampaoli uh, keep referring to. We definitely don't see that with, with Pochettino. Since we're talking about Pochettino and, and his coaching, I guess there's another subject that, of course, is, uh, uh, is, is the talk of the town. Donnarumma and Navas. Of course, you bought Donnarumma because a free goalkeeper uh, of, you know, with this experience, this talent, the, guard, the, goal, the keeper of the future, for sure. Um, you have to take him when you can have him for free. But you have Navas who's still performing and who's the guy who brought you to the Champions League final, who sort of kept you in um, last year. How do you see this playing out? Is he going to eventually find which one is best or are just, just going to play two games each until the end of the season? Mm, I guess for me, it's, it's, uh, it's just a slow transition because we know like Navas is not that young anymore even though it's really good. Like for me, is is the best at the moment. Uh, but for sure, like Donnarumma is, will be the goalkeeper of PSG for the next like few years. So when I heard that Donnarumma wasn't that happy about that situation in Paris, I was a bit surprised. Like that's not smart, man. Like just, just take it for that season. Uh, Navas is playing very well. If he does one mistake, you're going to play. And other way around but the, the thing is that you're gonna stay in Paris and Navas will leave next year or the year after so for me it's just a, it's just a transition you know like he's, he's he's keeping them both happy especially Donnarumma but of course it will play it will play for the next year but at the moment Navas is so good that you cannot put him on the bench just like that Is this the season finally where Paris can win the Champions League? Oh man, every year, every year is that season. <laughs> every year is is that fucking season, man. We hope so. We hope so. But uh, we've we've been better the previous years. Even though this year we have Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, um, I've seen us better. So so honestly, I don't know. I hope so, but I I don't know because our key players from previous years, such as uh, Verratti, Marquinhos. Um, they're not in their best like shapes, and they're not playing their best football. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited too to be in February, and March, to see like how we respond against like really strong teams. But uh, I, I hope, I hope it's it's our year for the champions. Jeremy, thank you. I'm not gonna take too much more of your time i appreciate the time um you know just before we we go our separate ways maybe uh, a quick uh, quick pronostic quick predictions for, for the next three games paris is uh, playing against lille leipzig and bordeaux three games in in 10 days uh, starting next saturday um what do you think three wins uh three wins with a lot of goals against bordeaux for sure I don't like wine. I don't like the south of France, so a lot of goals. <laughs> well, Bordeaux is struggling this season, so if you don't score yes. against Bordeaux, then and really there's a problem in uh, in Paris. <laughs> Jeremy, yeah. thank you. Thanks for thank your time, you, man. man. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy that I could get a, a PSG fan on. I've been uh, I've been looking for one <laughs> to come on the pod and, and talk about their favorite team, and uh, I'm glad somebody 
uh, wanted to be there and, and I thank you for the objective. Uh, thank you. Uh, I hope that I'll talk to you again very soon uh, next time Marseille plays Paris. Yeah, talk to you too, man. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Fantastic. Thanks again, uh, Jeremy. I'm sure listening for, uh, for coming in the pod and for, uh, talking about Marseille Paris Saint Germain, uh, Le Classic, who, uh, who, you know, was the only game that ended up in a 0-0 this weekend. Uh, but we did learn a lot by watching that game. Anyway, up to, uh, the other games that were played this weekend. And I guess the other, uh, main matchup that was happening. Uh, on Sunday as well, it was played at 1 p.m. Uh, French time, uh, 10 p.m. here in, in Australia. Uh, and it was Nice against Lyon. Uh, nice won 3-2 against Lyon. What a game that was. Uh, Lyon, of course, who was up 2-0. The goal scorer, Carl Toko Ekambi, at the 35th minute. And Hussein Mawar at the 68th. And Nice, who scored three goals in the last 10 minutes. Youssef Attal at the 81st. Andy Delors at the 89th. And Gessant at the 92nd minute. Lyon, who was down to 10 men for the last five minutes of the game with Chino Kadewere taking a red card at the 85th minute during the game. Lyon had the most uh, football, the most ball position, excuse me, with 58%, 13 shots, 8 on target. Uh, nice uh, showed up with 17 shots and 7 on target. A thriller at the Alliance Riviera, really. Uh, Lyon up to zero up until the 81st minute, uh, who then basically, uh, just crashed and, and just couldn't stop that crash from, uh, from, from stopping really. Um, you know, they, they really had the game in hand. Lyon, they really had it in the bag until the last 10 minutes. Um, the, the game, the game started well for Lyon. I mean, it was a bit of a 50-50 start. Uh, Paqueta had an opportunity. Uh, Delors had an opportunity as well. And, uh, the, the Nice fans really were pushing behind their team. It's the kind of game that, you know, um, everyone gets motivated, right? When you play against a team as good as Lyon has been in the, in the recent month. Um, at the 25th minute, though, there was that, that hard foul, uh, that sort of calmed everyone down. Um, I think it was Boudaoui on, on Kakure, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and as soon as that thing happened and like sort of all the players looked like they came and had a bit of a chat and, and, you know, a little push and shove. Uh, but then it looks like that foul really sucked the energy out of, out of Nice mainly. Uh, although for the first 25 minutes, it was a bit of a back and forth. Um, Lyon dominated after that and, and had the main of the ball and, and the main of the opportunities. They get rewarded, uh, with that goal from Carl Tokoe Kambi. I mean, um, what a goal that pass from, um, Boateng, uh, from Jerome Boateng is, you know, if you don't know why Lyon has recruited Jerome Boateng or if you had any doubt, um, it shows why he's, is there. Maybe defensively is showing that he has uh, you know, a few, a few limitations. Uh, but with ball to feet, he is able to do whatever he wants with that, with that left foot. Uh, and we've seen it there, you know, showing, seeing the, the run of, um, Toko Ekambi and finding him in behind the defense with, with a perfect ball. Don't take anything away, uh, from Toko Ekambi, who, you know, still had to dribble, um, one of his defenders and then put the ball away from Benitez. Uh, but that was a, a very good goal for, from Lyon. Um, the break comes, you know, 10 minutes after that. And, and in the second half, uh, Lyon is still dominating because Nice really for the first hour, you know, hour and 10 minutes isn't inspired. Um, not a lot is happening for, for Les Aiglons. Uh, and they are just not able to really bring the ball forward. I mean, Guiri a couple of times, um, is trying to sort of, um, put some energy back into his squad. Uh, Delors, a couple of opportunities as well, but, but not a lot and, and not a lot of uh, linking between the midfield and the forwards and, and the wingers 
just weren't as good as they, sh- as they should be, really. Uh, while all this was happening, Lyon is basically just trying to put that game to rest, seeing that there's an opportunity. Um, nice were undefeated at home since May. Um, so, you know, they, they needed to do something to try and get that, that game back. Uh, and while they are down 1-0, uh, Galce decides to do three changes. He gets um, Atal, Dacuña and Rosario uh, in, but literally a second after the three changes are made. Um, Awar comes in and scores the second goal. Uh, and and same thing, what a, what a beautiful goal, a great triangle play between Kakeret, Paqueta uh, and Awar, and then Awar who finishes and, and puts it away. It looks like Benitez, the, the Nice goalkeeper, can do something in it. It looks like he can stop that ball, but but anyway, the ball um, does um, slide under his hand. Um, and, and after that second goal, again, it really looks like it's over. Nice uh, really seemed like they, they got hit behind the head and they were uh, unable to answer. Uh, but that's when um, Atal, who we know how good Atal can be, but he's very inconsistent. Uh, but he decided to basically, um, you know, took the, the team under his wing uh, and to show them the way. Uh, he started with a solo red at the 81st minute from the right wings, uh, gets into the box, dribbles Boateng, maybe a little bit too easily, uh, and then puts the ball away from, from Lopez. Three minutes later, just, I don't really understand what Chino Kadoere wants to do or why he does it, but that tackle... Uh, on former teammate as well, if, if anyone, uh, Melvin Barr is really over the top. And next thing you know, the, the Zimbabwean international gets a straight red. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, you think that, oh, it's going to be a bit of a wake up call for Lyon that they sort of have to drop down and, and, and to, to, to contain that 2-1 uh, win that they get. Uh, but they just decided to, to, to basically keep shooting themselves in the foot. Um, again, the danger came from Atal again from the right wing. Uh, he's just a little bit faster than Emerson to get to the ball and, and Emerson uh, gets his feet right into the box, like literally centimeters uh, inside the box. The referee didn't hesitate, uh, you know, and, and check himself, of course, on the VAR, uh, but he showed the, the penalty spot, um, the opportunity for Andy Delors to score the fifth goal of the season. Within five minutes, the, the dynamics had completely shifted um, and OL just really seemed um, completely lost. That's when both made um, his, his two only changes at the 80th and the 90th minutes. And, you know, maybe um, that's where the, the coach bears um, the responsibility. I think it's a bit of a mistake to keep your starting 11 on the field for 88 minutes when he's the second goal in, in, in three days, the, the third goal of the week, third game, excuse me, of the week. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the Dutch coach decided that only two changes at the 88th and the ninth minute. Unfortunately for him, um, you know, the, the wars continued. With a minute left to play, Atal, who else? Uh, come from the right wing, look for Claude Maurice in the middle of the park. Uh, I don't know if Claude Maurice misses his control or if he tries to go for a one-touch pass, but anyway, the ball lands perfectly in the run of Evan Gesson between um, Deneyer and Boateng. Uh, and Evan Gesson, who had replaced uh, Dolberg not too long ago, uh, just very coolly tapped the ball under Lopez's legs. A uh, great goal for the, for the 20-year-old, you know, his first goal under um, a nice shirt in, in professional football. Uh, and of course, a goal that gives the 3-2 the win uh, in a, in an extraordinary uh, scenario, really. Uh, you could see Galche exploding as if he had won the World Cup uh, on, on the on the bench. And, you know, the OL players basically uh, being crushed. Gesson, uh quite cheekily decided to celebrate the, the goal uh, Messi style by uh, handing his shirts for the for the fans to see, uh, but at the end of the day, he, he was part of something pretty extraordinary, being down 2-0, uh, 
and winning uh, 3-2. You know, I, I think Lyon really can be mad at themselves. Uh, you know, Nice, nice can use that as their never-give-up moment. Uh, but for Lyon, they had the game in hand. Uh, they really gave it away. They, they really, you know, if you see that Atal is going to be such a danger, just stop him early. But, but both Emerson and Boateng um, just, just weren't able to do that. Uh, for Nice, like I said, you know, it's... Uh, it's that never give up moment. It's that moment where they know that they can come back from this kind of situation. It's very important. I mean, um, Galche kept hitting his head, you know, saying, uh, it's all in your head. It's a mindset. It's a mindset, uh, to, to tell his players that, you know, the, the game is not over until, um, the referee blows the whistle, of course. Uh, and with that win, they remain two points behind Lens before that, that game against Marseille on Wednesday. So they're in a, a very good place. Lyon, uh, it's, it's eight points now that they dropped after the 80th minute. Of course, as we know, there was that referee controversy against Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, but it's something that Boss and his troops really have to, to work on negotiating the end of those games um, a little bit better. Nice, with that win 3-2, sort of come a little bit in history. Um, being down 2-0 at the 80th minute, it's um, a first in Ligue 1 since OM did the same to Brest in March 1985, a few months before I was born. Uh, it's obviously a really impressive feat. Uh, and, and, you know, if we had any doubt, it cements Nice in, you know, that Champions League run uh, that, that they're definitely going for. You know, they're the one, the two teams, sorry, uh, in that top six, seven that is not playing in Europe uh, with Lens. Uh, and they are definitely, you know, here to play, I think, the first roles. I don't think Galchev would want it any other way. I think um, it's a bit overdue as well for Nice with the amount of money that they put into their club. Uh, for Lyon, it's a shame. You know, I think they were in good form. They are doing really well um, in uh, in your in the European scene, although that game against uh, Prague midweek uh, wasn't easy. Uh, they, they, they still won it. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's a hard one. It, it hopefully will be a lesson learned. Uh, last year, they had a bad start of the season. This year, they haven't had the greatest start and then they sort of had bounced back. This is a, a loss that might hurt. Uh, and, and that's going to be, you know, a lot of work from Peter Boss um, to have to do during the week to get them ready for next week because next week, Lyon is hosting Lens and Lens he is uh, still unbeaten away from home. Uh, are ready for a, are ready for a big game at the Copama Stadium. Uh, nice, in the meantime, are are sort of traveling uh, twice this week. Uh, they are uh, playing against Marseille, of course, on Wednesday uh, in Troyes on uh, on neutral ground, uh, and then they are going to Angers at the end of the week for uh, what promises to be a, a very interesting matchup. The first game of the weekend was Saint-Etienne against Angers uh, that we just mentioned. And the game finished uh, at Le Chaudron on a 2-2 draw. The goal scorer for Angers, who scored first, Traoré, the captain at the 28th minute, and Paul Gini at the 56th minute. Saint-Etienne answered by uh, Wabi Kazri at the 61st minute and Mikael Nade in injury time at the 94th minute. Saint-Etienne with... 64% of ball possession, 17 shots, 6 on target. Uh, Angers with only 4 shots and only 2 on target, uh, the 2 goals. Uh, I guess the, the first thing that we have to talk about when, when it comes to that game uh, is the fact that it was supposed to start at 9pm and it started at 10pm uh, with Saint-Etienne fans, you know, expressing their, their anger, their frustration, uh, their disappointment, you know, you, you name it, their feelings towards the direction right now, the towards the 
the governing body, I guess, at Saint Etienne, the board, uh, who looks like they just don't care about what's happening to the club, and obviously fans do care about what's happening to the club. Um, so their way to to express those feelings was to uh, basically uh, light up uh, a fair few flares. I mean, probably probably a few dozens, uh, and throw them on the pitch. Uh, by doing this, just uh, as the players were coming in. Uh, they did not pose any dangers for the player. I mean, they did pose any dangers to themselves uh, and to the poor security guys who had to uh, to clean those flares as they were hitting the um, the pitch. But they also um, kind of like damaged the nets. Uh, and so the referee seeing that happening and seeing all those flares flying onto the pitch basically decided to send um, the players back into the locker room uh, and, and to wait until, um, I guess, everyone was a little bit calm uh, before the game started. Now, now listening to Saint-Etienne fans, uh, they were they were not calm at all. They were pretty upset and they were ready to uh, to keep going. Uh, I guess the referee's decision to actually wait a whole hour before starting the game um, helped um, letting that game go in, until its term because I think uh, the Saint-Etienne fans staying 60 minutes in the stadium with nothing happening uh, by, if I'm not mistaken, uh, temperatures that were under 10 degrees, uh, I guess, I guess, cooled them down in in all the senses uh, of the term. You know, they they were a bit less excited, and they were also pretty cold. Uh, so they had to uh, to try and warm themselves up by actually encouraging uh, their squad. Anyway, that's uh, that's what happens off the pitch, and then the game finally started uh, with an hour delay. Uh, and when it did, uh, I guess it could be it could be briefly said by Saint Etienne played a better team. Uh, but that better team refused to play football. Uh, and so even though Lever looked to be dominating at times, uh, they just weren't doing much with the ball, especially in the final third. You know, um, Kazri and Boudabouz have brought their um, their technicality, their creativity. We know what they can do. Uh, Aushish wasn't playing. I mean, he was on the bench. He, he cut in into the second half. Um, but, but so Kazri and, and Boudabouz really were the only one able to bring that spark for Lever. Uh, unfortunately for them, Bernardoni, the, the Angers goalkeeper, was in fine form during that first half. Uh, Crasso, the, the striker from Saint-Etienne, had a few opportunities in the box, but he basically always made the, the wrong choice and, uh, and I'm sure he coped a little bit for it. Uh, you know, shooting when you were supposed to pass the ball and passing the ball uh, when, when you had an opportunity. Uh, you know, mind you, when Buanga came in, uh, same thing. The, the choice probably went the, the best one. Um, Angers, surprisingly but happily played in counter-attack in that first half um, they sort of you know came out a couple of times to try and keep possessions but it was it was really sporadic uh, mind you when they did that in the first half for, for five minutes uh, it was enough for them to get a, a pretty good free kick uh, and Buffal uh, was able to find his captain Traore on the far post uh, who scored the first goal of the game um, at 1-0 uh, you know particular basically told his men to to drop low again and to wait for Saint-Etienne to open up and try and uh, and get them in counter-attack. Uh, and, and so the 1-0 at halftime and the second half started the same way. Uh, 10 minutes in, counter-attack by Angers. Uh, and it looks like at that point they're winning the game, right? Cabot, who's who's one of the fastest league player, players, took the right wing and found Fulgini in the middle of the box. Um, the midfielder, with a beautiful control, basically got rid of Moethek uh, and was able to put the ball, the ball away from uh, Bajik, the, the goalkeeper who's replacing uh, Green while he's suspended. Um, you know, 2-0, it looked like the game is done, especially with what Saint-Etienne has shown um, in, in recent weeks. Uh, but Lever kind of sort of tried to, to come back into the club. It, there was a few, come back into the game, sorry, there was a few heads down. Uh, but one head that wasn't down was Wabi Kazri, 
Uh, and five minutes after that second game, uh, a beautiful free kick by Wabi Kazri basically put Saint-Etienne back into the game. Uh, amazing free kick on top of the wall and, and close enough to the post for uh, Bernardoni not to be able to do uh, anything. The last half hour was basically an attack defense with Saint-Etienne um, getting the ball and, and staying in, in Angers' half. Interestingly, you know, Angers not really answering, not really trying to come out, not really playing on their strength and what we've seen, um, you know, since the beginning of the season. Uh, just just happy to sit low and, I guess, wait for uh, for fate to do their thing and, and fate does its thing. Uh, but for Saint-Etienne, uh, you know, after numerous crosses uh, who basically couldn't find any takers in the middle of the box, uh, in the dying embers of the game, uh, after a, a scrambled corner, uh, one last cross by uh, Saïdou So. Uh, the central defender who found his partner in the middle of defense, uh, Mikael Nade. Uh, and Mikael Nade's header was basically out of reach for Bernardini. Angers had scored on their only two shots on target, uh, and, and Saint-Etienne found a way to answer uh, in the last seconds. In my opinion, Angers uh, can regret that they basically stopped playing. I mean, you know, we know Saint-Etienne is in, is in a world of trouble right now. We know they're not confident. Uh, if you push them, they're going to make mistakes. They're, they're anything but reassuring in defense uh, and and Angers decided to sort of uh, get them a free pass after they had scored um, those two goals. For Saint-Etienne, it's, uh, it looks like a good result when you look at the game, you know, saving a point at the 94th minute is always good for your confidence, but it's only their fifth point in 11 games. Um, you know, out of all the past years in Ligue 1, only five teams out of the seven um Sorry, only two teams out of the seven uh, with that tally were able to save themselves for relegation. So, so five teams out of seven with eleven points, with five points in eleven games. Excuse me, uh, were related, were relegated at the end. Um, sad stats for Saint Etienne, uh, but so true. And they really need to to change something or to make something happen uh, to, to come back into the game. I mean, they could have an, an excellent second. Uh, half of season if they find the right players to uh, to add to their squad in the Mercato. But uh, it looks compromised for Lever. It's going to take something special for them to, to come out of it. Uh, Angers, you know, surprise of the beginning of the season. Um, sort of, I don't know if they're hitting a little bit of, you know, a bit of the bottom of the wave and they're trying to, to get their second breath. But uh, only one win in seven games right now, uh, you know, after they were so impressive to start with. And, and the talent is there. Um, so I, I'm not too sure exactly what happened. I think Batik just need to um, refocus his squad uh, and, and do what they did at the beginning of the season. You know, be a force, uh, keep attacking, and, and keep showing that you can be dangerous up front. They can be dangerous up front. And against a team like Saint-Etienne, they should have gotten uh, the three points. Um, next week, Saint-Etienne will be traveling to Metz, two teams that are definitely uh, not having the best of times uh, early this season. And Angers, uh, as we said before, will be hosting Nice. Next game up, Nantes versus Clermont and a 2-1 win for les Canaries. The goal scorer André Giroto at the 38th minute and Ludovic Blas at the 61st. Uh, the answer in the middle came from Mohamed Bayo at the 49th minute. Eight shots for Nantes, four on target, four shots for Clermont, only one on target. Uh, the goal from Bayo, of course, uh, and 55% ball possession for Clermont. Both teams uh, were down to 10 men at the half. Uh, Johan Gastien was the first to take a red card on the half-hour mark. And uh, Sebastian Corsia 
got his uh, marching orders at the 39th minute for a dangerous uh, tackle. Who would have thought, you know, at the beginning of the season that Nantes would be ahead of Lyon, Lille and Monaco at this stage of the season? Yet, here we are, uh, convincing defensive performances, talent up front, finally free to express themselves. It looks like Nantes has found the recipe, uh, you know, against another team who likes to play football. Uh, it's good to see that Nantes can take those three points at home and and they are very important. Um, you know, the game started basically the worst way possible uh, for Clermont, the, the promoted side coached by uh, Pascal Gastien, uh, because, you know, half an hour in, his son, um, Johan, gets sent off for a, a violent reaction against Giroto. I mean, if you look at the replay, it doesn't look like he touches him, uh, but the fact that he turns on and tries to sort of like slap his arm, uh, is just a bad look. Um, and, and next thing you know, they're down to 10 men. And minutes later, uh, Giroto was responsible for more trouble uh, for Clermont when he, he taps a free kick away from Desmas. The keeper, Desmas or Desmas, I'm not sure how we say it, sorry. Uh, the keeper definitely should have done better if you see that goal. Um, but anyway, the ball went in. It's not the first time that Desmas makes mistakes for Clermont. Uh, you know, you got to hope that it's not going to cost them too much in the end. Uh, but you you see that there's a, a few goals that went in that shouldn't go in at, at this level. So going after the goal, um, Nantes decided that they had too much of an advantage over Clermont. Uh, so they decided to go down to 10 men as well. And, and Corsia uh, didn't control his tackle enough uh, and got sent off for, uh, for yeah, basically a, a pretty dangerous tackle. And the red card, I think, was definitely well-deserved. That sort of changed the dynamic that gave Clermont uh, a bit of a... Uh, uh, um, a bit more intensity, if you will. And that second half started with the promoted side trying to make the most of that momentum. Uh, and Bayo uh, was the one putting it in the back of the net. Silky moves from uh, the striker in the middle of the box, a couple of dribbles, turns around, finds himself onto the right foot, and then see Lafon coming out low and decide to put the ball high. Uh, beautiful goal by Mohamed Bayo. I mean, we, we've talked about him. Uh, I doubt he's going to be uh, playing in Clermont much longer after this season. Uh, unfortunately for the visitors, uh, that goal from uh, Bayo was a bit of a uh, a bit of a flash in the pan because um, Nantes found their creativity back this season and they've showed it as soon as they were back level. Um, they decided to to push again and push again, and that second goal scored at the 64th minute by Ludovic Blas uh, was just a thing of beauty. Um, Blas found Colomiani superbly behind the Clermont defense. Um, the the under 21 international for France, uh, you know brings with him two defenders. Um, Desmas also sort of comes out of his goals to try and, and block the angle. Uh, and Colomouani, you know, I don't know a lot of striker who would do that, but very selflessly, solid of Blas, keeping his run, gave him the ball back in the middle of the box. Uh, and um, the attacking midfielder just had to tap the ball in um, in the empty net. Not the empty net, there was a couple of defenders, but the keeper wasn't here anymore. 2-1 uh, and Nantes kept pushing. And, you know, although... Although Clermont was down, Clermont weren't the most dangerous. Not was the most dangerous. Uh, they were able, they were almost able to score, you know, two, three goals after that. They really pushed. They really wanted to get that result. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by what Comboire is doing uh, with not, you know, fourth win in six games right now. Uh, it really looks like they've turned them around for good. Um, they've scored 16 goals already, which is their best tally at this stage of the competitions since 2001. Um, you know, no one would have bet on Nantes or Comboire at the beginning of the season. Yet, we're seeing some nice things coming from Le Canary. 
it's good. You know, I know that real not fans would tell you that they hope they get bad results for their president to move away. Uh, look, getting good results is also good because hopefully uh, it's going to bring a bit of happiness uh, for the fans of Les Canaries. Clermont, a bit disappointed. You know, one of those teams that really impressed me the most uh, this season. They like to to play a good ball possession. Um, may, maybe, you know, not defensive um, strength and intensity was maybe a bit too much for Clermont. Uh, during this game, we weren't able to, to find a solution. Uh, they're going to have to wake up because this weekend uh, they're hosting Marseille and we know how uh, good Marseille can be both offensively and defensively now after that game, that goal, that game against Paris. Uh, not in the meantime, we'll be traveling to Montpellier uh, where it's not going to be easy to get the points. Next game up is Lille against Brest and a draw 1-1. The goal scorer, Jonathan David for Nice, for Lille, excuse me, at the 19th minute and Romain Fevre at the 32nd minute. A love all for Brest, 64% possession for Lille, 13 shots, 3 on target, 14 shots for Brest, 5 on target. Brest, who's now 15 games without a win, uh, yet they could have gotten away with 3 points at the Stade Pierre Morois. Lille, you know, again, just, just not playing their football with enough intensity. Uh, you know, hearing from fans that that were at the stadium, they basically were bored uh, at Morwa on on Saturday night, and it's uh, it's not good to hear uh, from a side that just won Liga. It started well for Ledog. You know, since they were unable to string passes together through the midfield, they decided to jump the midfield. Uh, the midfield was um, Sheka and Benjamin André uh, this weekend for for Lille. Uh, Fonte, Jose Fonte, um, was the one giving that beautiful assist. From his own half, he basically took advantage of Burak Ilmaz dropping low and aspiring a couple of defenders with him. Uh, and Jose Fontes' uh, pass launched Jonathan David in the interval. Uh, David beautifully executed the rest, found himself in front of the goalkeeper and uh, and put it past Bizo, giving his team an early an early lead um, against you know a Brest squad that at first was um, I guess pretty apathetic in in the first half. Uh, in the next five minutes, you know, Lille could kill the game twice. They had that opportunity. Uh, Yilmaz not able to get the target and, and then Bizo uh, denied where uh, Brest was sort of in survival mode. Um, I mean, they were doing that well defensively. Offensively, there was not much happening. Uh, but they, they basically just decided to try and hold the fort and, uh, and only come out um, when they could, but without taking too much risk. That said, uh, they got rewarded not too long after uh, with with quite a bit of luck by uh, by favor on set piece, um, the young attacking midfielder basically um, took a free kick from 25 meters away. Slipped when he took that free kick. Uh, the ball was deflected by Cheka and it wrong footed Kerbich. So, uh, so yeah, a little bit of chance for that um, equalizer by Brest. Uh, but one one was the score at that moment, and, and it didn't change because uh, from there on, basically we we witnessed you know an hour of of poor execution and, and lack of inspiration in the final third and. And it, it hurts me to say that, but, you know, I tried to watch a game and I tried to get excited about it, but then I see so many little mistakes. Uh, Brest probably were the one coming closest to scoring. Uh, Fevre, Honora a couple of times, uh, but Gerbich was, was pretty vigilant. Uh, Mounier skied his attempt, uh, and, and Lille's real answer only came at the very last minute when uh, a shot from range by Bamba um, ended in, in Bizot's arm. 
when you look at this, you know, you need to, you have to agree with what um, Letan, the president from Lille, uh, said this week. He said that his team overperformed last season, you know, probably as a way to try and, um, you know, try and sting his players, try and wake them up. Uh, but, you know, proof is in the pudding. They aren't able to even beat uh, a team that's winless at home in Lille. Uh, you know, another symptom, another another thing that shows what's going on in Lille right now, Burak Yilmaz, when he subbed in, subbed out, excuse me, at the 77 minute, just left the stadium without saying bye to his teammate. Uh, you know, clearly shows how frustrated he is right now. You know, remember, Yilmaz was a player that was close to Nice at one point this summer, uh, and that maybe was going to join um, his former coach, uh, Galchi. He decided to stick with Lille, you know, we saw a little bit of that hug to Govenek when he scored. Uh, but now he's probably thinking about it again. Uh, and undoubtedly, he's frustrated with himself because maybe he didn't perform well. Uh, but I'm sure he's got, you know, something against that team as well because there's not a lot of, uh, of spirit in Lille um, right now. They are just not at the level we expect them to be at. Uh, for Brest and for Der Zakarian, uh, you know, you might be happy with the point taken um, on champions' territory. Uh, but arguably, they could have done more than this. Uh, like every week, Brest just doesn't score when when they should score and when it matters. And uh, and now it's not going to be easy for them to uh, to bounce back straight away because they're hosting Monaco next weekend. Uh, and Lille, in the meantime, you know what a better game uh, to wake up than uh, than that tr- than that trip in Paris Saint Germain where they're going to be facing um, PSG, Neymar, Messi, Mbappé. Uh, I'm curious to see how long Lille can resist against the uh, Paris Armada. Next game up was Lens against Metz and a 4-1 win for Les Saints et Or. The goal scorer Wesley Saïd at the 14th and 37th minute, Ganago at the 83rd, I'm happy to see Ganago scoring again, and Frankowski at the 90th minute. De Preville for Metz had answered early at the 33rd minute, 56% position for Lens, 12 shots, 5 on target, and for Metz, 9 shots, 4 on target. Lens, who, who keep the pressure up on Paris Saint-Germain, they are on the second place. Uh, they are 7 points behind Paris right now, um, and it didn't take them long to show their domination. Uh, you know, Metz tried to enter um, on set pieces, but um, Lance were the first there, Wesley Said scoring a, a real poacher's goal, um, just at the 15th minute. Uh, that goal from Depreville, though, that answered, um, was probably the, the peak of the night, right? As far as goal go, that volley from the edge of the box. Uh, but four minutes later, Wesley Said, uh, came back with another poacher's goal, uh, after a bit, little scramble into the box. Um, in that second half, Mess really tried to level and, and they came real close to do so. Uh, Depreville had one of his shots crashing on Lega's post. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, uh, Pap Matarsar, who, uh, who's a, a Tottenham player, if I'm not mistaken, uh, finally found the back of the net. But after seeing VAR, uh, the referee realized that um, Sar had uh, touched the ball with his hand. Uh, so the goal was denied uh, rightfully by VAR and, and kept Lance. Uh, in front, you know, it's good to see that mess were trying to answer and you can definitely see the influence of Farid Boulaya, who's back into the starting lineup. Uh, that said, the execution wasn't uh, on mess side. The execution was on uh, Lance's side. Uh, and towards the end, they just pushed and pushed and pushed. Ignacio, uh, Ignacio Ganago, excuse me, who subbed in at the 80th minute, just scored three minutes later. 
uh, with a with a nice little glancing right-footed effort, and then in the very last second of the game, the Polish winger uh, Premislav Frankowski uh, just rounded it up for Les Or harsh scoreline for Metz, you know, uh, one of their better performances this season, I would say. But Lance is just, you know, um, on on a Champions League team rhythm right now. Uh, they're showing up week in week out. Um, you know, they were able to strike fast, and then they were able to bear the pressure when when Metz were having their time to shine. I think they deserve that second spot on the table if they're able to deliver games like this where it's not all win or all lose. It's that clear area where they have to show spirits and they're showing it. Uh, I think they're going to have to to prove themselves next week as well, to prove that they deserve to be uh, on the podium uh, when they're traveling to Lyon, which is not going to be easy. Uh, but but Lance is, you know, since we, as we said several times already, uh, quite impressive. Uh, to start the season. Uh, so yeah, Lyon, Lyon lances their game next week and Metz in the meantime will be hosting uh, Saint-Etienne and hopefully Metz can uh, get that win, uh, that second win that they really need. Next game up, Reims against Troyes and a win for the visitor, 2-1 for the team coached by Laurent Batles, the goal scorer, Abdelhamid for Reims at the sixth minute and the answers came from Balde at the 41st and Chavalerin at the 65th minute. Uh, Gravillon had taken red card in injury time at the 93rd minute. Reims with 56% possession, 18 shots, 5 on target, 7 shots only for 3, 4 on target. And of course, um, the two goals, 3, you know, taking a, a big breath of fresh air with that second consecutive win uh, when visiting their the champagne neighbors, uh, Reims. The game was basically a story of momentums and, and a story of uh, set pieces. Uh, Reims started the best way, you know, basically, uh, basically ran the show in the first half, really, uh, the home team. Uh, the captain Abdelhamid scored six minutes in after um, a beauty of a free kick by uh, by Alexis Flips. Uh, and then Reims kept pushing. Uh, they tried to score that second goal. Trois didn't do much in that first half, didn't attack much. Um, but Rennes can be frustrated because they basically conceded on Trois' first and only opportunity uh, in this first 45, uh, which was a, a double chance uh, by Balde, who first was denied by Reykjavik. Uh, but then was the fastest to take the rebound and, uh, and bury it in the back of the net. Uh, Trois, you know, happy to play low during that first half, then change their mindsets after the break, whether it was a, a tactic for the game all along or whether Batless just wasn't happy. Uh, not sure, but basically when they came back from, uh, from the locker room, they just pressed a bit higher. Uh, they developed the football that we've seen since the start of the season, the football that they sort of have to develop because they're part of the City Football Club. Um, but, but we've seen that and that was good to see. And, and you know, finally, 20 minutes in, uh, they score in uh, with the, with the volley by Chavalerin, uh, who volleyed the ball that was badly cleared by, uh, by Abdelhamid, unfortunately. Um, once that was done, once they're up to one, uh, Batless and his troops basically left the ball to rest a little bit more for the final 20, 25 minutes, uh, and defended well around their area. I think, you know, I think Reims can be disappointed. Uh, it's their negative spiral that continues. Uh, and they're also seeing Trois passing them on the table. Um, they had a good start. We know that they're struggling to, uh, to win the danger up front. You know, um, there's a KTK, of course, uh, but, but it's not enough and they need a bit more help, um, to put those, those goals in the back of the net really up front. Otherwise, it's going to be, um, a long season. For, uh, for Reims and for Oscar Garcia. For Trois, we're seeing nice things. And, and if they can confirm, if they can have um, a bit of a longer run, then maybe they can put um, the relegation woes 
uh, further away from them. Next week, Trois will be hosting Rennes and Reims will be traveling to Bordeaux. Rennes is the next team that we're talking about. Rennes, who was hosting Strasbourg at Roison Park and Rennes win uh, one, excuse me, one zero uh, goal by Nayef Aguerd at the 82nd minute. Uh, Rennes who dominated the game with 64% possession, 17 shots, three on target. Uh, Strasbourg tried to answer with eight shots and two on target. Uh, it was a good pitting between, you know, two teams in form at the Roison Park, uh, a game that uh, can be called the, the Stefanico, since it was between uh, Julien Stéphane's former club and his actual club, uh, Strasbourg. Very entertaining first half. Uh, I guess a duel of goalkeepers, right? Alfred Gomis uh, had, had one or two saves to make. Uh, Matt Sells, season is having Matt Sells, uh, you know, shining on his line. Uh, three, four, five times um, in the first half, a lot of set pieces, but uh, really able to uh, to save his team. I mean, you know, you see now how much uh, he was missed last season when uh, when Strasbourg was trying to find a solution with their second and uh, third string goalkeepers. Uh, anyway, Ren, you know, uh, Ren, excuse me, um, we're, we're able to find loads of ways to be dangerous, uh, but sales uh, put them away. It's good to see what Genesio is doing at Rennes, really. You know, I think Lyon fans uh, are a bit split as far as Genesio comes. But uh, with Rennes, he's definitely, you know, putting them into the best, um, you know, dispositions to try and, and perform on the weekend, uh, giving his chance, get their chance to young people, young players, excuse me. Uh, it's good to see what's going on right now at um, Stade Rennes. Uh, anyway, the, back to the game, the second half, a bit more of the same. A uh, few attempts on targets uh, until that goal from Nagerd at the 83rd minute, coming uh, from a corner kick by the new recruit, Lovro Majer, uh, and and sells beaten for the first and only time of the game. Uh, on the other hand, Gomis uh, you know, had time to, to make another save, a game-winning save, actually, in front of Diallo, uh, seconds before the, the final whistle, to be able to you know keep those three points home uh, safe. Diallo tried, Ajork tried, Strasbourg didn't, you know, didn't deserve the, lo- the loss, maybe didn't deserve the win either, uh, but definitely gave a good account to themselves. Uh, Rennes, fourth clean sheet in five league game uh, for Rennes, for Alfred Gomis, uh, which is good for, for the confidence. Uh, they are now level with Marseille uh, on the table with that good run that they're having. Um, it's good, Rennes is, is getting where they're supposed to be with the Moyer spend as well. Uh, let's hope that it continues for them, uh, you know, to go with their good run in the um, Conference League. They're, they're top of their group in, in the European Conference League. Uh, Strasbourg, that loss means they're sleeping in the bottom half of the table. Um, they just have to pick themselves up. I'm, I'm not too worried about Strasbourg. I'm sure they can finish in the first half of the table at the end of the season. Uh, Rennes will travel to Troyes next week and Strasbourg will be hosting Lorient. And Lorient-Bordeaux, that's the next game that we're going to. Uh, 1-1 uh, at Lorient. The goal scorer Ellis for Bordeaux at the 46 minutes and Laporte answered for Lorient at the 76 minutes. Uh, Bordeaux, who finished with only 10 men on the pitch after Onana got red-carded at the 86 minutes. Lorient dominated 54% goal possession, 14 shots, 4 on target, 11 shots for Bordeaux and 5 on target. Pretty even matchup in Lorient between you know two teams who are out of form, I want to say lately, but Bordeaux has been out of form since the beginning of the season. Uh, but Lorient is on uh, three, four games um, winless. Um, so uh, they're, they're also in 
hitting a bit of a low. Um, rainy day, rainy night, excuse me, when they played. Uh, the game was far from perfect, uh, but offered, you know, a nice nice battle between two teams who uh, wouldn't, wouldn't give up. Lorient dominated the first half without really being able to bring the danger too close to Benoit Costil, uh, and Bordeaux was only able to answer, inspired by Houdin, by Gilsoran. Uh, as soon as they came back from the locker room, though, uh, Les Girondins struck and, and struck well. Uh, that pass by Onana, super pass by Onana behind the defense found um, Elise. Uh, and Elise is pretty fast and, and the Honduras striker uh, ran the ball into the box and was able to get his first goal with his new club. Uh, Lorient tried to come back in the game straight away, uh, but Jara was denied uh, first by Gregersen on his line and then by the crossbar. Uh, with 15 minutes left, Laporte finally leveled, uh, heading a, a cross by Fabien Lemoyne uh, to, to put both teams at 1-1. Bordeaux's defense, I think, on that on that specific, specific opportunity is a bit too passive. Uh, that's probably the only time that they were a bit passive during that game, really, because uh, Lorient kept pushing, but they just couldn't find the target for the rest of the game. Unfortunately for Bordeaux, Onana gets sent off for a, a very poor challenge on, on Avergel, you know, sort of uh, crushing his ankle. Um, he's going to be missed by Les Girondins. I think Onana, he, he brought the creativity, he brought some, some nice passing football. Um, but, but yeah, it is what it is. It might be a good point for Bordeaux, you know, when you look at how the, the game went and especially the fact that they finished at 10 men only. Uh, and we might be seeing the beginning of something good under Petkovic. But they need to get that second win of the season uh, to really feel good about themselves, um, and I don't see it happening uh, yet. We'll see. We'll see next weekend, maybe. For Lorient, I think the the main feeling must be disappointment. Now uh, they had the opportunity, they just couldn't finish. They are on a good unbeaten run at home, uh, eleven games without losing at home, uh, which you know Pelissier can definitely build on. Uh, but we, we didn't see enough of Mofi during that game. We didn't see uh, Lorienté, of course. Uh, Diara uh, was pretty good, but I think we expect a bit more from uh, Terem Mossi mainly. Uh, Lorient will be traveling to Strasbourg next week, and uh, Bordeaux will be hosting Reims. And the last game of the weekend was Monaco-Montpellier and a convincing 3-1 win by Monaco at the Stade Louis II. The goal scorer, Kevin Voland at the 12th minute, Wissem Benyeder at the 17th, and Gelson Martins at the 61st. Uh, Savanier answered for Montpellier from the spot kick at the 81st minute. 65% possession for Monaco, that's more like it after the few games uh, the next couple, last couple of weeks. Uh, 14 shots, 4 on target, 13 shots for Montpellier. On target, and ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Voland has finally entered the conversation. Finally, started this season. Uh, the German was a bit MIA since uh, August in Liga, and in 17 minutes at the beginning of the game, he's basically signaled his comeback with a great goal and a sensational assist. Monaco smothered Montpellier early on, and Voland found himself in a dangerous position several times uh, in the first 10 minutes. Uh, and then came the goal um, of a cut pass by Caio Enrique. Uh, I don't know what the Montpellier defense was doing, but they basically forgotten about Voland and, and he crucified Omla. Then came the masterpiece, uh, that cross from the exterior of the left foot by the German international to find his captain on the far post. Uh, and Ben Yedder was only too happy to score his sixth goal of the season. I think at this stage, you know, 17 minutes, two goal down, Montpellier is a bit taken aback, a bit... Uh, Bit in shock state, and they had a hard time coming back 
in the game. They finished the first half a little bit better, but um, nowhere near what we've seen from Montpellier uh, in recent week. Uh, Monaco started the second half with the intent of, of killing that game, all guns blazing. And 15 minutes in, Gerson Martins took advantage of another scrambled in the Montpellier defense to make it 3-0. After that, you know, the club of the Principality just had to manage the rest of the game, just had to to wait and see, and that penalty scored by Savanier at the 80th minute was just, you know, too little too late uh, for, for the visitors. Monaco, it's, it's a good win. It's an important win. It's the third straight home victory, uh, and Kovac needs a bit of a momentum to uh, to get the, the troops right behind him. I think the seeing Volant getting a goal and assist is also very positive uh, for uh, the white and red, um, and hopefully it keeps happening for them. Montpellier, they've been good this season. Um, this game, they sort of started the wrong way and were never able to get back onto the right foot. Uh, they, they need to answer soon, and, and next week is a good way to answer when they host uh, Nantes. In the meantime, Brest will be uh, hosting Montpellier, Monaco. So, sorry, Monaco will be traveling to Brest, um, is what I should uh, say. And that's it for match day 11 um, in Liga, which was a, a great weekend of football. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that one. A quick look at the table. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain with that draw. Stay up front, only seven points away from Lens, though. 28 points in 11 games. Lens, number two, with 21 points. And then Nice and Marseille, third and fourth, with 19 and 18 points, but with both a game in hand against each other. Uh, in three days in uh, Troyes. At the bottom of the table, Saint-Etienne uh, is, is, you know, struggling with their five poor points in 11 games. Uh, they're a point behind Brest and Metz, uh, 18th and 19th with six points each. Uh, Bordeaux with nine points is, is three points away from that, um, from that bad crowd. If we look at the goal scorer, uh, you know, of course, on top, it's still Gaetan Laborde. And Jonathan David uh, came came back with him now. Seven goals in 11 games for both of them. Uh, behind four players with six goals, Mohamed Bayo, Ludovic Blas, Wissam Ben Yedder, uh, the three of them scored this weekend. And uh, Wabi Kazri, who also scored this weekend. Sorry, four of them scored this weekend. All right, that's it for uh, that episode of Cassé Les Lignes, uh, the French football podcast uh, from the uh, Breaking the Line media. Thank you very much for listening, for following. Uh, please subscribe, rate on Apple Podcast. Uh, tell us what you think. Uh, come, and, come and find me uh, on Twitter so we can have a chat. We had a few uh, a few cool conversations this weekend uh, over Twitter and over uh, the several games played. Uh, Jeremy, thank you again for being on the pod today. Uh, looking forward to, to more uh, guests week in, week out to talk about French football and talk about Ligue 1. Uh, thank you again. Merci uh, to be to be faithful and to keep following Casse um, les Lignes, the podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Merci. Bye-bye. <music>